Yesterday was the 100-year anniversary of the end of World War I. It ended on November 11th, 1918. The war to end all wars is what they called it at the time because um, it seemed at the time that it was the worst thing human beings could ever do to each other. And stupid. Oh. And just so stupid. Unfortunately, it was We could not. never make that mistake again. Well, we actually, we didn't, honestly. World War II is very different. How many Americans died? 53,000 battle deaths, 63,000 non-battle deaths. So I suppose you add that together um, for about 110,000 deaths. But listen to this. France, 1.4 million men died from France Ugh. fighting in World War One. Imagine wow. a number like that. Wow. Germany, 1.8 million dead. Similar with Russia. Great Britain, almost a million men died in World War One, And we were talking... And there, there had never been... I mean, we're used to World War II numbers, so right. those are tiny compared to World War II numbers. Mm-hmm. But previously, in world history, there'd never been anything even close to that. Right. Where you have almost two million people dead from one country, right. nothing even in the, in the ballpark. And all of humanity agreed, we must never let this happen again. Because equipment, machinery, technology had gotten to the point you can kill just too many people too easily. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I'll pass up the tangent of how we got to the 30s um, in World War II, World War II, but we were talking about uh, the armistice um, on Friday, I guess, and how it was on 11-11 at 11-11 in the morning, um, and that the fighting continued up until the last moment. Dave, the history teacher, weighed in with uh, a little more information, which I found just fascinating and troubling. The armistice was not finalized until early that morning. It had been known it was going to happen for a few days, but there was still negotiating bickering, bickering going on. Fighting continued up until the last moment. An American soldier was killed 60 seconds before the ceasefire. Because it was not a peace treaty, the warring sides wanted to make sure they had the best position in case the fighting resumed. According to Wikipedia, 2,738 men were killed in combat on November 11th, 1918. Between sunrise and 11, 11 a.m., almost 3,000 men. Um, Also worth remembering that the flu epidemic after the war killed more people than the war itself, something like 20 million worldwide. You know, the only point I want to make on that is that anybody running around saying, I don't know how you could bring a kid into this world is just a baby and or has no knowledge of history. But Trump was in Europe. Uh, Donald Trump, the guy from The Apprentice. Right, commemorating the end of World War One, and you had all the world leaders who were participants back in the day. We're all friends now, kind of. Is Putin a friend? I guess not. Oh, boy. Yeah. Friend, he, of, friend of me. Friend enough that you're there shaking hands with people. Well, he, the, the Russia was part of winning both world wars. You know, particularly World War II, in which their sacrifices were mind-boggling. Um, so, yeah, he absolutely deserved to be there. On the other hand, he is a, a, a dangerous, dangerous beast. So, anyway, old uh, Frenchy Macron takes a shot or two at Trump in his uh, speech. Uh, Mr. President. Nationalism is a betrayal of patriotism by saying our interests first, who cares about the others, we erase what a nation holds dearest, what gives it life, what makes it grace. So he devotes his speech paying tribute to the fall in World War I to taking shots at Trump. His old lady put him up to that. You think? Um, the, old, the old gal? The old gal. 
So uh, here's the, your headline. I thought that was really uncool. That's not the place for that. And, and listen, the American media is going crazy about Trump not going to a cemetery because it was pouring rain and the helicopter couldn't fly, but he could have driven and blah, blah, blah. And, and he does. Just, the media is doing what the media does. But the headline in Politico, global leaders snub Trump in his nationalistic vision. And you've got Macron there saying that nationalism, well, patriotism is the exact opposite of nationalism. Nationalism is a betrayal of patriotism by saying our interest first, who cares about the others? Well, I would, I got a couple of problems with that. Number one, France is a very, very different country than the United States in a lot of different ways. Historically, you're in Europe, cheek by jowl with a bunch of other countries. You formed the EU to give you strength, and now you advocate the EU's interests all the time. We have our own EU. In fact, we saved you time. We named ourselves the United States. We got a bunch of independent states have joined together. We don't need to act like Europe because we're not Europe. Second point is the idea that nationalism and patriotism are opposites is stupid. I particularly didn't like the pretending that they don't look out for their best interests. Are these the countries that went around the sanctions on Iraq to do business, that go around the sanctions on Iran to do business, that do business with Russia, even though Russia's their greatest threat, because right. that's in your best national interest? Don't give me the lecture on we shouldn't do what's in our best interest. Give right. me a break. Right. And every country on Earth balances self-interest and mutual interest. And, and... Mutual interest serves self-interest. If there was no self-interest served by France joining with others, do you think Macron would do that just because he's a nice guy and he thinks that would be a nice thing to do? That's a hilarious notion. Nationalism versus globalism. You've got to look out for your country or you will get trampled. And you have to be involved in the rest of the world in a smart and productive way. Different people of good conscience might disagree on to what degree you do one or the other, but you have to be a nationalist to some extent. Otherwise, you're purely a globalist. And then, as Jack pointed out, you get trampled by every other country pursuing their self-interest, and you just can't let the vagaries of multinational corporations, which you know, please, nobody try to claim that they're not pursuing their self-interest. you got... The giant global financial interests, which actually run stuff, running roughshod over your people. You have to have breaks to protect your people. Globalism is not a panacea. Global trade is great. Global cooperation is great. Keeps the shipping lanes open. Keeps trade going. Keeps the standard of living high and rising. The rest of it. It's great. But that doesn't mean you, you, you worship it like some sort of god. In short, and I could have saved us all a lot of time. Old man Macron's full of crap. I don't care what he thinks. I thought it was just really not the right setting for that also. Yeah. You want to give that speech at the UN or something, that's fine. Have the debate. Um, but at a World War I ceremony, I'm just, I, do, I do not agree with that. And, and listen, all right, here's, here's the other thing Macron said that, that bothered me. Uh, just just uh, as uh, Trump's boarding Air Force One, I'm a strong believer in cooperation between the different peoples and a strong believer of the fact that this cooperation is good for everyone where the nationalists are sometimes much more based on a unilateral approach. How many trade agreements has Trump signed? How much diplomacy have you heard about lately? 
North Korea, Iran, still working and sanctioning the hell out of Russia. The constant conversation with China. The, trying to get the Middle East straightened out. The idea, the, the very suggestion that the United States has abandoned international cooperation, that's hilarious. It's ridiculous. She's eating surrender monkeys. Yeah. That's what they are. Eh, not really. <clears throat> so Macron that... whines and, and begs for uh, cooperation because he, he wants Germany to help finance defense of Europe. You know, he needs them. We don't so much. So that Peter Jackson World War I documentary in which he took all that old documentary film, film and turned it into color and added sound yeah. comes out in December. I hope it's at a theater near me. I'm going to have to carve out time to go alone probably and, and, and watch that. I really can't wait to see it. Um, that's the most likely war to be repeated in our lifetimes, a World War I type war. How so? I, I, well, from for the reasons we were just talking about, everybody pursuing their their own interests. That's that's what leads to a to a World War One type situation. You know, the Hitlers of the world don't come along very often, but countries just pursuing their own interest, own interests, particularly China and the United States, and clashing at some point, and then a whole bunch of other people looking at as their opportunity to grab a little land or or chunk of the economic pie mm-hmm. that's the most likely way for a war to break out and or getting sucked into it because they said they would they'd back each other and the rest of it looking for the new hitler to rise up is way too simplified a version of the way the world usually works i think for new listeners to the show we play the hitler bell every time he's mentioned to make sure it's noticed that hitler has been referenced uh to prevent the over-referencing of the said former chancellor of germany I hope this never happens, but a World War One-like situation where we and China butt up against each other and then shots start firing could easily happen. They're building islands in the middle of the ocean, for crying out loud. I was just going to bring gonna, that up. They're going to start dictating shipping lanes at some point. But we start firing at each other or getting a little hot and heavy. Putin thinks now's the time to go on whichever country he wants to go into. Rest of Ukraine. They say, oh, Georgia. no, you're not. Or yeah. France says, oh, no, you're not. And pretty soon you got a whole bunch of major powers right. battling again. Yeah. It can happen. It yeah. has happened. Nobody thought it would happen in 1914. They then thought Ara- it was impossible. Then Iran decides to annex Iraq. Right. Oh, yeah. Your Middle East stuff starts happening. Israel Israel decides now's our chance to put an end to Iran. And we or think, vice versa. Well, well, if we got to choose sides, we're definitely with Israel. So there we are on that front, as we're fighting China in the uh, South China Sea, which they are militarizing as fast as they can. I hope that doesn't happen, but to act act like it couldn't happen is just defying history. I wish there had been more talk about that last night than uh, uh, in France than lecturing Trump as he sits there. The media sucks. Melania looked good. Man, she can show up to a pageant. Pretty girl, no doubt. Trump says several languages, they say. Uh, um, absolutely. I've got the most popular brands of macaroni and cheese ranked by how unhealthy they are. Maybe we can get to that at some point. Oh, man. I want to eat the do most... Do you mean how, by how delicious they are? I want to eat the most unhealthy macaroni and cheese oh, yeah. available by law. Oh, yeah. What are the Dems going to try to do first? What are their? What's their priority when they take charge? We may know that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. A woman in Arizona. 
Arizona celebrated her 106th birthday at a Taco Bell, which is legally called assisted suicide. Hey, now, uh, I keep seeing the clips of Pete Davidson apologizing with the veteran congressman in the eye patch on all the different channels. Sarah and I Live getting a lot of attention for that, and it should. It's a, it might be a moment. It's possible. It's possible it's a moment. Well, and I think we ought to replay perhaps an edited version of it later. It was an absolutely beautiful, mature, American, manly slash womanly, as opposed to baby-y, grown-up saying, yeah, I know you didn't mean it. We're cool. And we have much more in common than we have that separates us, and we're not going to let silly stuff like this tear us apart. It was incredibly refreshing. The combination of not demanding an apology while simultaneously accepting it when it was given graciously, I thought was a, a beautiful, beautiful display. And not giving speeches about how hurt he was and all that sort of crap. Well, and it broke down to Pete Davidson saying, dude, I really chose my words poorly. They came out wrong. I'm sorry. And the lieutenant commander saying, I get it. No problem. We're good. As opposed to demanding for weeks that Pete Davidson be fired. Or all of the sponsors will be boycotted. Somebody's got to lose their job. Somebody's got to bleed because they made a mistake. That was a beautiful example of that not happening and people acting like Americans have always acted. Also, living in a world where you can make a joke that goes too far, somebody says, hey, that was a little much, and you say, yeah, you're right. I wish I hadn't said that. And it's fine. Right. Right. And you stand up and say, I don't think that, I think this. And everybody says, oh, okay, cool. They don't howl for his blood. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. It was a rare moment. I had tears in my eyes watching it. So I was watching some of of this. might have been the smoke. Sunday shows yesterday, I was reading this article in the Washington Examiner. Pelosi faces conflict with her caucus over Medicare for all. This is what's going to likely happen. Minority leader Nancy Pelosi... Um, and it sure looks like she's going to end up being the majority leader. Um, oh, yeah, the speaker? Uh, the Third speaker. in line to the Oval Office, Jack. All, all the smart people think that, that she's going to hang on. Um, and other top Democrats have said they plan to focus on fix, fixing Obamacare and on lowering the cost of prescription drugs. But the majority... That's some good spin. The majority of rank-and-file House Democrats support the Medicare for All Act a bill that would overhaul the health care system by rolling every person in the U.S. into Medicare, universal health care, which nobody's had the guts to say out loud in my lifetime, no. other than, you know, a fringe socialist here and there. But you couldn't, you couldn't say that out loud. Now they're wanting, the majority want to say out loud. Though the bill does not have a shot at advancing through Congress, given that the Senate is under Republican control, obviously, holding hearings or even votes on the bill could signal to the public that the party intends to seek a fully government-funded health care system should the Democrats take the White House and the Senate in 2020. And Nancy has got to figure out how to handle that majority that wants that. She knows that that's not probably likely to play on the national stage. Well, listen, I have said many times I believe Nancy Pelosi to be a blot on humanity. On the other hand, <laughs> really? she is an incredibly smart person and savvy. Uh, this reminds me so much. It is so exactly the flip side of the coin of the Republicans voting over and over again to repeal Obamacare and the leadership at the time not bothering to come up with something to replace it with. So when they did, to the shock and horror of many on the left, get the House and the Senate, they stood there scratching their uh, their heinies. The dog that caught, caught the car. Exactly. Un- uh, 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 unable to come up with something to do about it. If the Democrats do 
get both houses and they have the opportunity to implement a national health system, they will be another dog that caught a big, a bigger car. They caught a semi. You're going to design a national health system and not break the bank and not fundamentally restructure the way Americans live their lives and pay their taxes and the rest of it. Good luck with that. Now, it was the media is what the media. What's the media like? They like a fight. They want they want to they want to yell. Look, there's a fight. Sure. So every Democrat was asked and it's not their fault. They were asked this. They were asked about investigating Trump. And then the media uh, representative on whichever show, whether it's George Stephanopoulos or whoever, they would say, and as you can see, the Democrats are focused on investigating Trump. I saw one person point out, well, that's what you just asked me about. That's not what, that's not what I'm focused on. That's great. But if all you ask us about is investigating Trump, that is what we're going to talk about. Yep. So that's, that's a tough situation to be in. I'm sure the base, that's what they want. You know, one one thing that gets left out of this, the whole investigating Trump thing, and this is the missing piece to me, Mueller's going to drop his report before they take actually take office, January 20th, most likely. Most mm. people think it's going to come out in the next, what do we got, two months? Most people are idiots. Yeah, but what happens when old Attorney General CrossFit decides not to release it? <laughs> exactly. Right, he's going to quash it. That's what I hear. He's going to say, what report? I didn't get a report. Oh, damn! We got fooled. Checkmate. You win. <laughs> the paper shredder going in the background. Right. Because there's no chance <laughs> it would be leaked or Mueller would appeal and uh, the, the courts would say you have to. There's no chance of that. But you got till January 20th. And then you got the new Hitler. Mueller drops a report before January 20th. The whole investigate this or that it changes the, comple- the complexion of it changes completely. You'll still have the our Arab sheikhs checking into the Trump hotel to please him, and is that the uh, violation of the emolument clause, which will go until the day Trump leaves office. Uh, just uh, jot this down. Jot this down, then put it out on your Insta Twitter or your Facegram. <laughs> the media is desperate for conflict and fear, and where there is none, they invent it. I'll tell you what, if there's no damn Russian collusion which. Nobody was running on that for this past election. No. Do you think that's odd? Nobody mentioned it. It'll it'll be impossible to remind people of what the fever pitch was like over the Russian collusion. There was nobody thought Trump was going to finish his first term because it was so clearly he, he had cheated with the Russians and that would be found out and dumped upon our laps. Sure. Hey, Rachel, what's going on with the collusion thing, huh? Rachel Maddow. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Chris Matthews, how's that going? <laughs> well, they're journalists. They can do they can do whatever they want. How about the politicians like Adam Schiff? How about oh, him? Who's uh, about to be the chairman? I have uh, seen evidence that, oh, have you? Where is that? And he's going to be the chairman. You're right. Busted out, brah. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, I got a status report on the massive wildfires burning away in California. Meanwhile, Trump tweets about the California fires setting off a social media frenzy and the possibly amazing health effects of zinc. Coming up. Speaking of health, what's the most unhealthy macaroni and cheese? My favorite. Oh, <laughs> yes. No. Yes. Because it has very little zinc in it. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm not looking forward to talking about this, Marshall. Yes. But we are. Let's talk about this. Okay. Before we talk about that. Yes. This. 
A new phrase is now considered offensive, according to college administrators. Okay. You use it all the time. Can't wait. Turns out it's racist. Okay. Can't wait. So don't say it. And I've got the list of the most unhealthy macaroni and cheeses, and my favorite is at the bottom. A.K.A. the best. Right. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. All right, I'll go to the story Jack does not want to talk about. California Democratic Governor Jerry Brown's office slamming President Trump's tweets that blame the wildfires on the state's mismanagement. A weekend tweet from President Trump upsetting some California firefighters. The president tweeting, There is no reason for these massive, deadly, and costly forest fires in California except that forest management is so pure because of gross mismanagement. He then went on to say, remedy now or no more Fed payments. Yesterday, during a presser, Governor Brown fired back. Forest management is one element. It's only one. And uh, we have to take care of the whole range of threats and conditions. Don't mention climate change. Are Are you going to mention climate change? Please don't mention climate change. So... Look, the president is frequently unnecessarily blunt, and sometimes his timing is questionable. On the other hand, you got Jerry Brown to confess that forest management is an issue in California. Jerry vetoed a bipartisan forest management bill a number of years back. Let's talk about all that stuff. And Marshall, with all due respect, those were a couple of firefighters' unions that have every interest in running down Republicans and elevating Democrats, because that's how they get paid. Now, I would say, talking about cutting funding as lives are being saved and as lives are being risked and the rest of it is probably not great. So I see their point, but we're all going to be okay. Let's focus on the victims. Let's focus on fighting the fires. Let's focus on what we can do for our friends and neighbors who, God, thank God, have survived and now are in terrible need. Or we can freaking argue about Donald Trump. Speaking of fighting the fires, the deadly campfire in Butte County still gaining more ground than firefighters. Cal Fire is saying it burned about 2,000 more acres overnight for a total of 113,000. Containment still at 25%. Death toll remains the same at 29, and the estimate of structures burned is holding at around 7,000. Several hundred people taking shelter in the Walmart parking lot in Chico, where people are doing what they can to help care for the evacuees and each other. My family came out this morning with some hot breakfast, and then we have just had people dropping food off. It's like a nonstop flow of food, so every time we run out of one thing, we can bring another thing out. It's pretty amazing. Meanwhile, some of the thousands of people forced from communities by the large Southern California wildfire are now being allowed to return to their homes. The authorities have reopened uh, 101, Highway 101, a major freeway through the uh, zone in western uh, West L.A. County and southeastern Ventura County. So Paradise, California, which the yes. whole town burnt down. Yes. What happens when an entire town burns down? When you get insurance money, do you have to build in the same spot, or do you get the money and you get to do whatever you want with it? Well, and then Judy, you go to your neighbors and say, are you going to build here? I mean, I'm not sure if I'm going to, and you discuss it. I don't know how it works. Well, to that end, uh, Judy and I were talking about this a lot over the weekend as we have a walled compound in the woods, and we think about this stuff a, a, a lot. Number one, to your practical question, the insurance company can, well, it must give you the money to rebuild depending on your policy. Um, on the other hand, they could drop you immediately then. And then you have a house that's completely uninsured, and good luck finding another one. Uh, also, and I'm just guessing, but yeah. this was not a you get evacuated and 
um, you find out a day and a half, two days later, your house burned. And that's a tragedy, and it's incredibly difficult, etc. This is people being told, get out, get out, fleeing for their lives, some not making it, terrorized every step of the way. That'd freak you out. You going to rebuild right there? I'm thinking a lot of people are going to say no. In fact, I've already heard from quite a few victims who've said, no, we're not. No, hold on real quick, guys. Yeah. The other thing is, if you are one of the very few houses that survived, and I hadn't thought about this, but the rest of the town is gone. There are no stores. There are There's nothing around you. So it, you have to ask yourself, do you still want to live there? Is it worth well, living there? Who are you going to sell your house to? Right. That's a weird situation, too. There's yeah. probably no insurance for you that the town no longer exists and your house isn't worth anything. But, you know, well, there's, there's becoming, a lot of people that are going to have bad situations. It's becoming a bigger and bigger problem in the West. If you have a, a property anywhere near woods, trust me on that, uh, getting insurance. So I'm looking at the NASA satellite images of the smoke. I, I see the Sacramento Valley just choked with smoke. The Bay Area blanketed right. with smoke. The northeast winds have helped L.A. Um, and uh, and are pushing the uh, the smoke out to sea, mostly. But, man, it's astonishing. I'll, I'll pass along this uh, link, and we'll have it at armstrongandgetty.com under hot links. Research is suggesting there is a link between zinc deficiency and the development of autism. In the study, it's published in the journal called Frontiers. Researchers found that zinc levels in early development are directly related to autism. The scientists went on to say their findings don't reveal how you can prevent autism, but rather help explain developmentally uh, developmental abnormalities and well, it there, could lead to treatment is there something we used to eat that had more zinc in it and we cut it out of our diets or well, what's going on there i looked uh, at some of the foods that have a lot of zinc in it whole grains milk products chicken baked beans there's a number of foods that have uh, high levels of zinc in them so it does not say anything about uh, how, uh, how what foods may have been cut out of diets that would be causing this you know in the interest of science i'd like to play this for you michael are we ready for this thank you what gives? You said you wanted to live in a world without zinc, Jimmy. Well, now your car has no battery. But I... That's from the Simpsons Fabulous <laughs> faux documentary, A World Without Zinc. Promise Betty I'd pick her up by six. I better give her a call. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. Without zinc for the rotary mechanism, there are no telephones. What? <laughs> Of course, he says, I guess zinc is more important than I realize. <laughs> Thank goodness I'm not living in a world without zinc. <laughs> Simpsons is great. Uh, there, you, there you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> no dice, Jimmy. <laughs> he sounded a little like Dr. Hibbert. Yes, he did. <laughs> A phrase you use all the time is racist now, according to social justice warriors and their campus advocates. So cut it out, you racists. And I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. The least healthy macaroni and cheese you can buy. Bring it. And I got to talk about taking Sam fishing. This is pretty pretty awesome. It's about as awesome as things can get in the whole, whole father-son world. I'm so glad. Um, and Were any fish yanked out of the water by oh, their yeah. face? Quite a few. Excellent. Quite a few. Well, if you go with a specifically by their face, if you go with a <laughs> that's prof- how it works. If you go with a professional fisherman, it does help your chances. Yeah, <laughs> you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
Here's a hymn to welcome in the day Heralding a summer's early sway And all the bulbs all coming in one state that really surprised me was Florida. In their ballot initiatives, they let uh, felons vote from now on. They banned greyhound racing and banned indoor vaping. So basically, they banned Florida. <laughs> That's the thing about Florida, though, it's unpredictable. You know, on any given day, you might have a lovely trip to Disney World, or you might get stabbed for your curly fries in a checkers parking lot. <laughs> it's all part of Florida's motto, live fun or die. <laughs> Um, so we were out on a lake fishing over the weekend, me and my, uh, my son on Friday, and it was so smoky from a fire a hundred some miles away from me. Um, but still so smoky, there was hardly anybody on the lake. It was a great day for fishing. The water was perfectly calm and the temperature was nice and fish were biting, but there were no boats there because the sun, you could stare right at the sun because it was just kind of a... Um, not very bright orange disc. That ain't right. No, it ain't. And again, we posted those NASA photos. The smoke is just choking people for hundreds of miles. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. In my house, it was so smoky that I that I uh, replaced the um. Uh, what do you call them? The filters. smoke alarms. For, oh, the filters. The, the, I had to take the smoke alarms down because they were going off because it was smoky enough in the house. And I replaced the filters with the really tight ones that will filter out the smoke because it was we were all coughing. Wow. Wow, that's insane. It is crazy. Over 100 miles away from the yeah. closest fire. I mentioned earlier, Judy and I were coming down from the mountains right around sunset, and it looked like we were descending into hell. Uh, and, and the animal part of us was saying, turn around, go away, turn around. Why would you go into that? No sane human would go into that, but it is what it is. Please, rain. Please, can we have some rain? Rain? Please, they they ranked popular brands of macaroni and cheese by healthy to unhealthy in this. Who did and why? This, and why don't they shut up? This journalist <laughs> thought I was going to look at the top of the list where they had healthy. I immediately went to the bottom of the list where the unhealthy is because that's what I wanted to see if my favorite there. And they're at the very bottom. Jones Brothers fat and lard macaroni and cheese. Tied for the most unhealthy are the only two macaroni and cheese brands that I ever buy. A tie? What is this, soccer? The Velveeta shells and cheese tied with Kraft oh, yeah. macaroni and cheese. Oh, the powder! Both the <laughs> same thing with the orange powder and whatever those noodles are. <laughs> By far the most unhealthy in terms of fat and sodium and everything else. As you know, Jack, I lived for a couple of years downwind from the massive Kraft plant in Champaign, Illinois. And, uh, uh, the one thing it did not smell like was food. <laughs> <laughs> These are non-organic and contain cow milk and are highly processed. Oh, no. exactly. That's what I bought it for, and it cost eighty-nine cents. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Are you trying to tell me Kraft macaroni and cheese is not organic? <laughs> <laughs> when I was a single man, I would make a a pan full of that macaroni and cheese. It was eighty-nine cents at the time for a box, and I'd eat the whole thing right out of the pan. Wow. It was awesome. Did you throw anything you on rinse it? rinse it off, turn it upside down to dry, done. I have eaten, I have cleaned. <laughs> any, <laughs> any ketchup on that? Any barbecue I usually sauce? Ketchup. I'm a ketchup guy, yeah. I like yeah. ketchup mixed in my macaroni I like the juice. BBQ sauce. But. I, told, I said at dinner table the other night that I, I said I would eat right out of the pan when I was in, in, in and Laura thought that was a terrible thing to tell the kids. That <laughs> they're going to do that. It doesn't help. They'll come up with this idea on their own. They'll think, why would I take it out of the pan and put it on a plate to eat it? There's nobody here to see me. I'm going to eat it right out of the pan. <laughs> <laughs> why would I dirty another dish? Exactly. Right.
Which is the healthiest? Amagel's all organic, tasteless mac and cheese. Great. You eat that. <laughs> I'll eat the one that looks like SpongeBob SquarePants. Exactly. Man, I, we got this, uh, what do you call it? A micro brew house, a, a brew pub that does uh, like half a dozen, six, eight different kinds of mac and cheese with various, you know, stuff mixed in. You got your like buffalo blue cheese mac and cheese, and you got your. Uh, like uh, what's the the Mexican one? Spicy carnitas mac and cheese, and now I don't know. That's a little fancy for your taste. I realize I'm I'm dragging you into the wilds here, but oh I've my had fancy God, macaroni and cheese I like, but I also really like the craft, whatever that is. It's yeah. good. Yeah, it tastes great. I hear you. I've had some of the most exotic pizzas made on earth and loved them, and I've also had a cheese pizza that I thought was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. That's right. Different strokes. So what, what can I? What can't I say now? Long time no see is considered offensive. Oh come it's on! It's non-inclusive language, Jack. Because it, it, it's unfair to the sighted, unsighted. I don't. According to this is Colorado State University, and uh, we may have time a little bit. Great piece I was reading the other day by Mark Pulliam about the campus diversity swarm, in which he characterizes it with these campus diversity. Uh, characterize it as these campus diversity officers, a category of academic bureaucrat that didn't even exist until fairly recently. And within a short period, diversity apparatchiks have taken root on most college campuses and in many cases expended into sprawling bureaucracies with multi-million dollar budgets. Wow, how did that happen? And this really is a great piece. As the tuition goes up, you got multi-million dollar budgets for something that didn't exist until a few years ago, and everybody was fine. Right. Diverse- in fact, they were better. Right. Diversity and inclusion is the latest obsession in higher education. The elite schools compete with one another to see who can field the largest and best-paid team of diversity bureaucrats. Diversocrats. It's an article of faith that diversity, originally a euphemism for affirmative action, somehow enhances the educational environment. But data supporting the mismatch theory, which holds that affirmative action hurts minority students by placing them in academic academic programs for which they are unqualified, refute this claim, uh, goes on and on. But the, the, the sheer size of the diversity landscape is staggering. University of Michigan, for instance, uh, Little D, my, uh, my now college sophomore and I took a look at University of Michigan when she was picking out a school. Their diversity bureaucracy employs nearly 100 full-time employees, one earning more than 300 gur a year at an annual cost of more than Eleven million. Oh my God! Eleven million dollars a year on right. what do they call it? Diversity bureaucracy. Yeah. Inclusion. Yeah, yeah. University of Texas at Austin. Similar number of bureaucrats cost almost ten million dollars a year. UC Berkeley. Hundred and seventy-five diversity bureaucrats. Nationwide, the trend is increasing, and they got to justify their living. So they tell you, for instance, at Colorado State University. Long time no see is viewed as derogatory towards those of Asian descent. Oh, okay. According to a student, Katrina Leiby, who writes for the campus paper, she met with Zahara Al-Saloom, Director of Diversity and Inclusion, who showed her a list of terms and phrases considered contrary to the university's mission of fostering inclusion. One of the phrases was long time no see, which is viewed as derogatory toward Asians. You're going to ex- have to explain this to me. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think how this could possibly be. She also noted that administrators discouraged the use of you guys in favor of you all, which is gender neutral. Wow. Holy crap. You people have nothing better to worry about? Wow. Unbelievable. Um, it's thought that long time no see 
is like a parody of the fractured English of Asian immigrants. That's what's on my mind whenever I've said it. Yeah, I, t- I say that to friends who I haven't seen, but my secret purpose is belittling Asians. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we're all in on. We're giving each other the secret code that we're dying. Right. We don't like the Asians. In fact, sometimes I'll think about what friend have I not seen recently so I can say that to him and further put down the Asian man. That is astounding. And you can't say you guys. Hey, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, College Fix's Jennifer Cabani sees this an example of campus political correctness run amok. I'm having a hard time disagreeing. Um, The Greetings Wikipedia page raises the possibility... Long time no see has a Wikipedia page. Too many pages. It (laughs) raises the possibility that it's of Chinese or Native American origin... But an article in NPR, of all places, says the phrase is so widespread, it's impossible to tell for sure. And it doesn't matter, please. If you are gifted with the award-winning fourth hour, we have a really interesting interview about a really innovative program. Is it a good idea or bad idea? We'll let you decide to stop gangland slayings in a major American city. Chicago, are you listening? Long time no see. If you don't get the pod, if you don't get the hour, grab the podcast. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.